In this episode, Dr. Kashi explores how frustration shapes our diverse outcomes in all manner of situations by looking into different frustration domains. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello! And welcome to... <sighs> Coffee with Kashi. I'm your host. Dr. Trevor Cashy. So far, you've been introduced to the three foundational, to three foundational components of how frustration and frustrating events work, why they work, and even when exposed to the same stimulus, people respond differently and therefore have a variety of outcomes hmm, to those frustrating stimuli. And as hinted, how the SRO models starts to kind of cohese these variables by neatly packaging the interconnectivity between them. As in, many outcomes, particularly the destructive outcomes, become frustrating stimuli of their own. Now, let's do a review of these concepts and see what kind of BS, belief systems, come out of it, okay? In reverse order, double trouble using something that frustrates you as permission to frustrate yourself. Again, frustration sensitivity and the four domains of frustration and the BS you harbor about life's frustrations, your belief system, okay? You've been exposed to the concept of double trouble, that is encountering a frustrating stimulus and using that as permission to frustrate yourself even more. This is partly because of a person's impulsivity, that space, that space between stimulus S and response, R. The more impulsive a person is, the smaller that space, the more likely they'll exaggerate what's happening, jump to silly conclusions, make harsh judgments, and then proceed to give themselves permission to respond, R, in a dumb way, probably leading to a destructive outcome, O. <laughs> that destructive outcome, O, the frustration gods would have it, is probably self-reinforcing and self-perpetuating. That is the destructive outcome, oh, that destructive outcome is probably going to be a frustrating stimulus of its own. Yeehaw. Okay. Learning about the four domains of frustration, operational, emotional, achievement, and fairness, and how you can incorporate the frustration sensitivity index to somewhat reductively categorize the frustrations that are most likely to lead up, to lead to a flare up of, uh, I can't stand it, itis and thus gain some insight on where to focus your frustration tolerance reserves. And then there's the, the BS you harbor about frustrating stimuli, the belief system you create about it and around it. This has the greatest influence on your cognitive behavioral response, R, thereby having a direct effect on whether you have a relatively constructive or destructive outcome at O. Now, consistently drawing upon what's now being arbitrarily labeled as the variable outcome principle, a thousand people can experience the same frustrating stimulus and have a wide variety of outcomes. This is mostly because of a person's general frustration sensitivity index, or FSI, okay? Each person will appraise and categorize and rank the event differently. Is this a frustration at all? What kind? How major? On the opposite side of the same coin, a single person can interpret the same frustration a variety of ways depending on the context. For example, Oversleeping 
an operational frustration on the weekend may be a minor operational frustration if, if you wanted to get some chores done in the morning. Oversleeping on the day you have an international plane flight might be a major operational, emotional achievement and fairness frustration if that international plane flight was to a prestigious academic conference and you were sharing your research findings and since you missed it, somebody else presented them and got the credit and the award and the job offer and the book deal. Even though the frustrating event is the same in all circumstances, the responses and the outcomes will vary between people and even to the same person at different times. So the same stimulus can cause a variety of outcomes. Or do they? The same stimulus might lead to a variety of outcomes, but does the same stimulus cause a variety of outcomes? Hmm. This means that the stimulus and response relationship is a different, bit different than people think it is. This is predicated on the BS they harbor, the belief system they have, about the frustrating stimulus. Indeed, many people think of the stimulus-response relationship somewhat like a light switch. You flip the switch and the light turns on. Stimulus-response. You flip the switch again and the light turns off. Some people have a slightly more sophisticated interpretation of the stimulus and response relationship by maybe comparing it to like a self-regulating feedback loop, somewhat like a thermostat and an HVAC. If the temperature gets too high, if it gets too hot, the AC kicks on. If the temperature gets too cold, the heater kicks on. Closer, but still gives humans way too much credit. That's far too reasonable of a way to operate. As the variable outcome principle states, there are a variety of outcomes for what is apparently the same stimulus between people and within the same person, and this is because of the, the response to that stimulus will vary. That response to the stimulus varies because of what happens between the space and that space between stimulus and response. There's lots of stuff going on here. Well, why is that space so important? Why is that space between stimulus and response so important? Well, that's where your BS is. That's where you keep all your BS. Your belief system is the bedrock of your cognitive appraisal processing. You know, that part of your brain that's like, yo, is this a threat? What kind of threat? Is it a big deal? Should we fight or take flight? Complain until a person, until a useful person shows up? Wallow in self-pity until it fixes itself? Avoid it and eat snacks instead? Now, I was about to say all kidding aside, but that would require some kidding. Uh, the BS you harbor, that stuff going on between stimulus and response, is what's most heavily influencing your response and by extension the outcome. This is of the utmost importance. Why is that? Because it it fights, it is in conflict with what the late Dr. Ellis calls A to C thinking, essentially where people will blame the stimulus on the outcome and circumvent their response to it. This, in turn, robs them of the power to build a tolerance to frustration and resolve it. It will instead keep getting worse as they become more and more sensitive to, to the frustrations until they can't stand it anymore. My back injury made me gain so much weight. That's interesting. I wonder if the World Health Organization advises back injuries to the starving families in Yemen. Straight from stimulus to outcome, skipping the response. Man, he pisses me off. That is some impressive voodoo skill. 
Or maybe I wonder if he like implanted that electrode right into your amygdala. You know, it must have a little microphone, so it sends you a, a jolt whenever he says his magic words. You sure he didn't say something that you chose to interpret as an emotional frustration, and then you use that as permission to emotionally frustrate yourself even more, and then in your righteous indignation, abdicate the responsibility of your feelings to somebody else? You know, circumventing response, going straight from stimulus to outcome? Yikes. Making external events and other people responsible for how you feel and what happens to you. That seems like quite the frustrating existence if there ever was one. Everything is apparently an operational frustration then, if everything is dependent on everybody and everything else. <laughs> literally everything is in the way of what you want. Yes, literally everything is frustrating because you've made yourself dependent on everything and everyone else to make sure it happens. Yikes! That is some BS to harbor if there was any. Quite the belief system, hmm? Although engineers and physicians and other fancy science people try to describe humans as an electrical circuit or a series of tubes or even a computer or whatever, it just falls short. They, the only even remotely reflexive or automatic response humans have are most easily attributed to sensory overload. If somebody shines a bright light in your face, you squint your eyes. If you touch a hot stove, you recoil. If there's a loud bang, bang you flinch and, and have a motion to cover your ears. If there's something flying at you, then you will duck or jump out of the way. Anything outside of sensory overload of this nature is more carefully processed by what's called your cognitive experiential machinery. That is, there's a stimulating event. You interpret that event. You respond to that event, and then there's, you guessed it, an outcome of that response. This means that if you are present, you have presence of mind during the event, then you give yourself a fighting chance to interpret it rationally and act deliberately in response to that event to give yourself a constructive outcome. To establish and maintain your presence of mind in the face of frustration, it's best to take responsibility for your role in the creation of and the response to the frustrating stimulus. Did you directly cause whatever the frustrating stimulus was? Some cases, yes. Some cases, no. But does that really matter? It is your BS, your belief system, which you have influence over. How it's appraised, how it's categorized, how it's ranked. If, if you turn an annoyance into a disaster, it may as well be a frustrating st stimulus of your own creation. Yes? Because you can also turn it into a challenge. You can turn it into a game. You can turn it into a war. You can turn it into a staircase. You can turn it into the Great Wall. More on self-generated frustration soon. That's all she wrote. Thank you so much for learning. Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out!